Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Here's the 38th episode of my monthly feature, Our Voices, an inside look into a life journey that's likely quite different than yours. We'll discuss ways to accelerate social change that level the playing field and help everyone live to their full potential. I encourage you to listen with curiosity and without judgment to this account of what it means to grow up, learn, struggle, work, and live in our world. Born in a refugee camp where she lived until age 12, my guest today ultimately moved with family to Palestine's West Bank and has lived there most of her life in a conflict zone. Receiving her degree in computer systems engineering from Palestine Polytechnic University in 2007, that made it crystal clear that providing access to to technology skills would improve the quality of life for many. And she set out to do just that. Starting entrepreneurial ventures has been one of the ways she's facilitated capacity and economic development opportunities for women and youth using innovative technology. In 2015, she founded MENA Alliances to include talent outside Palestine in the greater MENA region. She's been recognized as the first high-tech woman entrepreneur in Palestine and as one of the most powerful Arabs under 40 by Arabian Business Magazine. With the ability to find doors in places where others only see walls, meet my friend and indomitable innovator, Abir Abugaith. Abir, welcome to Our Voices. Hi, Molly. It's nice uh, to be here today. And hello from Germany, the country. I didn't realize that you were there. We're going to learn more about that. Um, What you do my friend and what you're moved to do in helping others are really remarkable so i'm going to hand it to you abir and just take us through um the journey that you're on and uh, who shaped you what shaped you and your vision for a better world yeah thank you so much molly um it's um hello from germany the country of uh, angela Merkel, who firmly said if Europe falls on the question of refugees, then it, would, it won't be the Europe we wished for. If we now have to start apologizing for showing a friendly face in response to emergency situation, then that's not my country. So I love this quote. I, I was like impressed by uh, the documentary um, that I watched last uh, on the weekend. And um, it's, it's touched my heart because it's related to uh, my um, childhood um, that I, I lived. So I lived in refugee camp uh, for 12 years in Jordan, and um, I'm from a Bedouin family where we have the right to uh, educate but not to work. I raised, say, you know, like I raised, like um, hearing. A woman said for me and other people in, in my community in the refugee camp, why you are studying at the end, it's your future in your husband's kitchen. I never believed in that. Um, and I want to do something to outside from the refugee camp. Um, but the resources was like very, very limited. I was like studying in in a in, in new and school uh, where we have a very crowded classes. More than 40 uh, students were there. I was like struggling also with English language, learning English, because people around me, they don't know English. And I was like going for my neighbors, searching about people to teach me. But I always believed that it's the education is the key to be outside or to, to get outside from the, from the refugee. And then in, 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 after 12 years, um, um, we moved to live in Gaza for one year and then to Hebron, where uh, my family and I are living today. 
Um, when I moved to Hebron, it's a, it's a, it's a very tense area where there is like um, conflict zone, where there is like um, settlers living with us and there's always like solidars and there's checkpoints all the time. If you want to go uh, for your schools, you have to cross the checkpoints, which is add more challenges to my life and add more, um, more obstacles. Um, to, to see future clearly. Um, and I remember till now that um, in 2002, the intifada um, in, that happened in, in, in West Bank. And I remembered when I was like going to um, do my exam for the, high, for the um, secondary school, I was like always like go through um, very very difficult situation. I have to cross checkpoints. I have to go through solidars, uh, checkpoints. And I was like always, you know, not sure if I will um, go back, uh, you know, like alive um, after doing or after applying my exam. Um, so it was like a very tough um, situation, very tough places. But I kept always believing that it's it's no matter where I am living, I'm sure that I can you know, like be in better place. I can change it, change the, the uh, you know like this, the, the, the situation. And I was like lucky enough to raise um, um, you know like raise um, here I raised hearing like women who raised me like in the mosque and she said for me, um, you role, uh, as a woman is to make this world better. So it doesn't matter if you are a man or woman, but you have a message in this life and you need to select this message right. And you have to do your duty toward this world. And I always believe in that. And that's what keep me going on and trying and to, to do my best. Then I, I uh, Lived, uh, you know, like I studied computer system engineering in the university in Palestine Polytechnic University in in Hebron, uh, and I uh, I graduated from the university with honor. However, I was like unemployed for two uh, years. I couldn't find job because all the job opportunities are based in. The, um, in Ramallah, which is a place that far away from uh, where I am living. I was like living in village in Hebron. And it was like not in you know, like it's it was like not possible to go there by myself or living by myself because it's not safe. And our families become extra protective because, you know, like living in conflict zone, you will never know what will happen with you. And also culturally, in terms of culture, I could not go back, you know, like, I could not be like, you know, like return to my home at the night. It's not, it's something not acceptable as well. So I was like, I was like in, in, um, in uh, you know, like in, in home for almost two years. However, for, this is, and I would like to say that being in home for two years, it's not easy for ambitious women. It's always hard. It's like you feel like fire inside you. You feel that it's not fair. You work so hard and you bring like high grades and, and now you are at home. You, you, and and it's, it's, it's just like you feel that it's not true, not right. So, but I kept downloading online tutorials to educate myself and to keep myself up, up to date with, with the tech um, stack and also with the technology in general. And I could not, of course, taking like training um, uh, programs because my family could not afford um, to pay for these classes or for these training. I was, I'm, I'm part of 10 siblings which is a huge um, family. And my father, he was like the only person who was like working at that time. So it was like so hard for me to go and uh, take this kind of training. And when I was like, when I download online tutorial and I get this, um, um, I, I, I applied for um, certificates from Cisco. 
and it was like CCNA. And they thought that, you know, I, I succeeded you know, like uh, with this exam and with a high grade. And when I want to apply, it was like for some, like for the universities at that time as a hardware engineer, I could not uh, get the job because of um, sometimes discrimination against women because they don't trust women uh, capability. So I remember at that time, I applied for hardware engineer in the university, and I, once I, I I passed the exam. And when I passed the exam, I went to I go for interview, and I was like the only woman who passed the exam at that time. And in the interview, they asked me a question, and they say uh, they said to me, "Okay, we have a question to you. Can you hold the computer? Can you carry on the computer?" I said. It was like a strange question. I said, yes, I can. And they said, oh, but if you get married and pregnant, you can do it. And they refused me and they refused my application. It's so, it was like so frustrating uh, at that time. And then um, I kept trying and then I applied to be like an instructor in my university and to teach some labs, technical labs, net computer networking lab. And when I apply for this job, and finally I get this job after two years of unemployment, um, I went to the class uh, at that time, and uh, most of my class were males. And they were surprised to see that their uh, instructor will be a uh, female. So most of the class refused to be taught by women, and they left the class and I just have two students. For me, it was like a, it's like, it was like the opportunity that I got after two years of unemployment. So I said, I'll never make, let this opportunity go without, like, without exploiting it. So I, I teach the two students. And um, after that, the two students say for, um, uh, for the others, you know, she's good, she can teach. Then the other students came back to the class in the third classes. So it was like it was like tough at that time to be like uh, to be even in the tech sector. And then I worked with uh, with of course with with, uh, with NGOs and I find you know like with NGOs for a while. But then I I, I just felt that um, I want to build something sustainable. I want to help more women to find their jobs. And then I get opportunity you know, like to work on one of um, one of the um, very important issue, which is that we have in Palestine, for example, the highest educated women in the world. Um, our, it's 1990.9. However, we have that lowest uh, number of women in the labor market in the world. So I said, okay, I, I believe that technology can change that. I believe that if we give women opportunity, we can, um, you know, like through the technology, through the online work, we can change this number and statistic, and we can give more women and more young people who are very talented the opportunity to work. Because internet don't internet does not have occupation, they doesn't have checkpoints and doesn't have cultural uh, challenges. So and from that time, I just in 2013, I just decided to go back to my home, um, and I said I want to build my own business, and it should be like for-profit business with social mission, because this is the way where, how I can create sustainable business model. I don't want to depend just on donors. I just want to build, to build like a strong, I want to be a part of building a strong economy in Palestine. And I worked for three years um, on that project, on, on, on this business. And um, after three years of uh, working, I employed more than 370 women and young people in Palestine, and despite of the 
despite of the wars that happened during this period. And also uh, I trained a large number of women and young people on skills that enable them to work online. Now that I felt I proved the concept. I said, okay, there's many uh, areas in, in the MENA region need this kind of model. So I stab in 2015, I established MENA alliances to, to be like, or to, to, to include uh, uh, women and young people from, uh, from the MENA region. And I would like to say that MENA region have a very, very skillful and talented women and young people. And they are, um, you know, like for the, the, the women in, 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 for example, women in the MENA region, they are, they are, they have highly education. However, they lack the opportunity to work. Um, and and even the graduates in tech, uh, in, in in tech, and also in, you know, like STEAM um, specialization, uh, are higher than um, uh, the graduates of females in. Uh, Europe and US. However, there is no opportunities. So I just started doing this work for the whole MENA region. And currently we employed more than 700 um, uh, women and young people in different job opportunities. We train more than 3000 women and young people on, um, you know, like different kind of uh, skills that enable them to work online. And we have also worked with more than 60 clients across the world. So yeah, that's that's um, that's where we are now. So we're going to pause and go back. I'm just marveling at you even more than I originally did. For folks who um, aren't aware, just to clarify, Mina is the Middle East. North Africa, I believe it's 19 countries. Does that sound right, Abir? Yeah, 22 year, 22 countries. 22 countries, mm -hmm. thank you, right? Yeah. So much bigger region. Um, Abir, take us back. You know, your father's working. You have nine, you have nine other siblings, 10 total? Yeah. 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 So sh share, um, you're just... I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of overwhelmed. Like you're, you're, you're crossing borders and you're wondering if I come back alive, what is your mother and your father thinking? And just talk about the family dynamic and supporting each other. And, you know, I don't know that most listeners can think about just physically not feeling safe all the time or a lot of the time. And so maybe just take us through some of that. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, being like, I was like, we have a big family and um, also we were living in this kind of, uh, you know, very dangerous situation or very dangerous area. And I remembered, you know, like I was like sleeping with my um, siblings under the beds for more than two weeks because the guns were crossing our windows and I was like, so we, we, we always, we all were very afraid to be killed and to be, to, to die. My, my father left the home um, in Intifada because he said, I don't want the soldiers to hit me in front of my uh, family. And I lose, um, you know, like this kind of reputation in front of them, or I can't, for example, I could, I, I could not protect them. So he left to the mountain at that time. I, I, I remember that I can smell the death in like everywhere at that time. It was like so hard situation. It was like unbelievable. It's just like you feel that there is no hope. There's in, in this world, there is no future. So, and even when you go for, for um, you know, like at that time, when you go for, um, for schools, uh, it was like everyone like without hope, all, always thinking if we will still alive or not. But our family, but my family was like insisting us to go and for school. They said, okay, this is the reality and we have to handle with that. You know, but the education always for all Palestinian, the education is a key. It's our capital. 
That's what we taught. Most of us in Palestine, we know that our main capital is the education. Abir, you, how, how, where did your hope come from? Because I could see people just really, but this situation gets the better of them. And was there, it was it within your family that how did you have this burning fire within? Okay. So um, it came from that I'm accepting that one day I will die. Okay. I'm accepting that reality. And I don't know if I will die early or if I will be live for, for long years ago, you know, like ahead. And that's make me think what I will offer for the world before I leave. And in my um, religion, we said, um, if you will leave, our God will ask you about different things. They will, he will ask you what you did about your education, how, how you serve the world in your education. So I always ask myself, okay, how I can apply the knowledge that I get to serve the world. This is number one. Second things is I believe that God also will ask me where, um, how I will spend my money, how I will spend this money to serve others. So this is another one. Uh, the third one, it's how I spend my youth years or young, you know, these years where, where, when I have like power and when I have energy. So that's what it drives me. I always ask myself, okay, where, what I will answer, how, how I will answer that. Uh, you know, like that's, that's keep me motivated all the time to give for others. It's about giving people, um, giving people like hope, giving people, um, you know, like uh, opportunity. Um, and I know that one day I will die, but I want, when I want to die, I want to die empty. I give all what I have to to the world. So I don't want to regret that I die and I did not, for example, benefit from one information or one knowledge that I have, or I did not serve the world if I have something for them. And when I mean the world, I don't mean just Palestine. I'm, I'm me, I mean all, the whole world. So if I am in, now I'm in Germany, I'm thinking about all the time how I can serve Germany, how I can offer value. It's not about taking from people, but also about how I can give. And that's why I felt that the universe was like helping me all the time. God helping me that it's offering me a lot of opportunities, which I all which I always used to serve others. Uh, we need you in spades in the world. Abir, um, share with listeners and help educate us on on your religion and your beliefs. And I think, you know, I, I appreciate your taking on this role, you know, as you're in living in different parts of the world who may not be familiar with your own background um, yeah. and just you know, helping educate us. Yeah, I think, um, Molly, it's just uh, what I found, especially when, when I spend my time here and between uh, West and East, I find that there is like a gap um, um, and this kind of culture between us, you know, we don't understand each other. Sometimes we take the, the you know, like we perceive, you know, like we listen for the news and that's what we are doing and we judge other people by this kind of a news. Now, what I understand about my religion that, and, and here it's about like education, it's about accepting others and it's about supporting others, it's about building that's my mission. So what I understand in, in, in my religion that our God, you know, like give us life to build this world, to make it. And that's my duty in this life. So I'm doing it. The other thing, which is I found uh, there's like a misconception about it. It's about the women in, 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 my, in, in, in our region. I want to clarify something. One of... Um, one of my biggest uh, role model in the life, it's the wife of Prophet Muhammad. Her name is Khadija. She was like a businesswoman. And she uh, was very successful as a businesswoman and she get to know the Prophet Muhammad through her work. 
because she he was like working for her and she was like older than him with 15 years old she was like 40 and he was like 25 years old and when and during the work she loved him she liked him and she wanted to tell him that she liked him liked him and she sent someone like she sent her friend to tell him that and he, if he accept this love and of course he accept he like her and he get married to her now the problem that our tradition now say that we women should stay at home for example uh, raise the children but that's not our religion that it's completely different we have to participate in political in cultural city you know like um uh, in cultural aspects in the cultural field the social fields the political fields the education everywhere and the first the first um the first word um in quran it's called it's say aqra which mean read which mean that you have to learn you have to to learn new things this is what this is what i understand from islam so i always believe that there is misconception here and i don't ask you know i find two difficulties in my in my career now, in in my life now one from the way, from the east where they think that i'm not sometimes of some some of them they think that oh you have to get married now this is what what the role of the biggest role of the woman and they don't they don't believe that okay this is what the islam mentioned and they 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 just want to believe in what they believe from the customs and from the you know like from the culture um so this is a challenge that i faced all the time even when i hire women in my company they always you know like keep you know they are under pressure that they have to get married they have to work in a small in in a, in, in the roles that like education so they have to work for little hours and her main 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 um mission is just to raise family but on the other hand on on the other hand in the west i always to have to justify my position have to tell people about okay we are a woman i'm not a stupid woman i have um, i'm in tech and we in the middle east we have a very very highly educated women and we have a very you know like smart women and we have a, you know like talented women and we are we are not all of us like you know living under you know like um, under like a violence okay there is violence everywhere and this i always work hard to change this mindset you know no but sometimes they don't believe you so i feel that i'm in the middle trying to you know to bridge this gap between the, the cultural gap between the both worlds and i'm happy to be this kind of ambassador between the both worlds and explain what is the difference what is the differences between both of them and how we can bridge this gap by having honest conversation bringing our open mindset you know like without having like judgment or without judgment judge each other in the conversation you know accepting the people as a people as a human this is what i'm trying to do now oh, we need it more and more and more and more Abir, this kind of work, um, you know, it's never done, right? And so being the cultural ambassador, being out there trying to help people to think that about changing and that they could do it, it can be really fatiguing, you know? And so how have you found yourself, you know, I could, I could imagine, you know, it's very, it's very inspiring when people change their mindsets. Um, but then when people don't, you know, it can be very discouraging. So just talk about, you know, how you manage your own energy to not, not look at defeat. If that, yeah. or maybe, maybe you never see that. Yeah. I, I never take my energy from outside <laughs> that I have to be clear about that. It's not my source of energy. It's not from, uh, the outside world. It's from inside. And this is. Um, this is, uh, I think, the strength point here for me. Um, it's just like when you believe in what you are doing, 
Um, and when you believe in your mission, uh, it's no matter if people say no to you or if they, or what kind of challenges that you face. Um, so I remembered even when, you know, I remember when, when I decide to be entrepreneur, I sit with myself first for one week, but I, I, I wrote my values first and then I wrote my mission and I said, are you satisfied with that? I talked to myself and I was like completely by myself. They said, are you satisfied with that? Are you convinced with that? What is your decision? It will be, it, I said for myself, it will be tough decision that will, you, that will impact your life. And it will not be easy. It's very hard and it needs a hard work and it's time and effort and will be like, it's a, it's a tough path. Do you want to take it? And then I decide I want. And once I decided from my inside, between me and myself, and make a promise that I, this is my mission and I want to, to be on this mission during my life, it doesn't matter after that what the kind of, what the kind of challenge that you will face. Whatever, I, I, I believe that I can overcome it. I will find a way. But I think it's the important thing is to decide between you and yourself if, if that's the path, if that's the mission that you will live with. Abir, talk about your other siblings and, and their, uh, you know, how you support each other and, and do they share the same fire that you do? Uh, look, I, I raise... Um, everyone it's different you know like I feel that in in my siblings you know like women they have more fire than 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 my uh brother my my sister they have like a bit more um more energy I think that this is because of um the environment where we um raised so so for example when I was like young I was like I have to pretend to be like a boy and deal like a boy and act like a boy because this is where I can get opportunity to see the world. This is how this is um, how I can get opportunity to go for hunting with my father and my uncles. And this is where um, I can see more uh, from the world. Now, this is, this is for example, uh, make m my father and my uh, uncles so happy. And they saw that there is opportunity for me. And my father dedicated a lot of his time to educate me and to give me like a lot of political like books to read and to train me on public speaking in front of others. He saw potential. Now, um, my mom, she was like, she was not happy with that because I was like pretending like a like a boy, and she didn't. She she said you have to act like exactly what you are, and um, um, and this is this 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 case, this case our I find difficulty. You know, like when I when I when when I was like um, when I I raised to to find my identity at the beginning because I want you know like I will. Just like I want to to be like this kind of strong person who um, who can get the opportunity. But my my other my uh, my other um, you know like brothers they have already like they are privileged enough, um, so they have the privilege to go outside and also to travel. Um, but uh, for me, I have to convince to do extra work to, to be like, to, to have this kind of opportunity. Uh, my sister, the, the, the youngest or the, the old sister, she did not want to complete her study, so she did not complete her study. Uh, but my father, he want, to, he want her to complete her study, but she, she decided to go and she get to, to, to get married early. But my, others, my other daughter, my other um, sisters, um, all of them, they studied, and they are very strong, independent, and now they, all of them, they are working. Um, so, so that's the, that's um, you know that's the differences. I, I think it's it's 
everyone have the different like life, different paths, select different, you know, everyone select different paths. But I think it's like, it's our choices at the end, Molly. You know, like it's, it's, it's based on, on what we want in this life. Yeah, you're, you're clearly making a very conscious choice. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I wondered, because you've channeled what could be really, and maybe you just feel super angry, because I've heard you say it's not fair, it's not right. And yeah. being, you know, being in good relationship with yourself to be able to channel that in a constructive way is not so easy. You know, mm. and, and so, I mean, can you talk about that? Because there are real, you know, when you I have to go back to when the whole class walked out and there were two people left and, and what was going on in your head in that very moment, you know, did you want to crumble or you were like, I'm just going to stay here. And like you said, I'm going to teach these kids, but you know, it's, I could imagine inside a real despair and maybe, or maybe not. You know, like uh, when I when I reflect on my path, it's just like I feel that I fight all the time. Um, I was like in you know, like we we're always like having different moods. Uh, so relaxing, fighting, relaxing, or for example, enjoying. But I felt that most of the time, most of my life, I was like fighting. Sometimes I feel tired. Sometimes um, um, tired from fighting all the time. I'm exhausted. I feel I felt exhausted. Sometimes it's very hard when you build something and some like when when we have like when when I build my business and and I have a for example uh, project and then I find that the war started again and they destroyed everything. So, yeah, I, I feel that, uh, you know, like, sometimes I feel tired from doing that. Uh, but what makes me happy when I see the impact that I have on the ground? And what, what makes me question uh, my mission is when the people that I serve them and I fight on behalf of them, they give up or they want to take the easy way um, to live the life without even, you know, like trying to pave the, um, the path. And I find difficulty to, um, to accept that for a while. Tell one of my mentors, till I have discussion, me and my mentor, when one of my employee who has like a very potential in, 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 in the company and uh, very potential in the career, decided to get married and left the job, uh, despite that she have four languages. And I was like training her for a, one year. I remember that that time I just sat in my office and I started crying and I felt so, so upset. And then my mentor, I spoke with my mentor and she said for me, why you are angry? I said, I tried. I tried to make them better. You know, like I want to give them opportunity that I did not have it before. So I'm trying to give them this kind of opportunity, but they refused it. And they, she said, "No, she, they don't. You can't. You can't um, enforce people to, you know, on on on, you know, to enforce them to to be empowered." They have to be empowered by empower themselves by themselves. She, I said for her, but I did not make any impact. I feel that I, I don't, I did not make any impact in this case. And she said, no, don't say that. Don't be harsh on yourself because you do it. You do. You did already. You show them that there is two paths. You show them that it's not like just the path that they used to see. There is another life. There is another future. If they want to, if they decided to go for uh, that path later on, it's they know that there is another path now, which is like it's an impact in her opinion. And yeah, so so in this way, I was like, okay, yeah, 
makes sense for me. But to be honest, yeah, it's just like it's I have to deal with a lot of things inside me at the beginning. But again, it's like uh, the thing that keep you know like keep me motivated and give me the energy in in all of these kind of obstacles that I face. It's just like my belief that what I'm doing is something very noble and it's create opportunity for others and serve them. Without a doubt. Before we get to Mina Alliances, I do want to um, give us the chance for listeners to be able to support you. Would you share, and because we've met through this fabulous International Women's Forum Fellowship Program, the Leadership uh, Development Program that you've recently completed. And I would love to hear your reflections, Abir, about you know, the woman who started and the woman who completed, what were some of the big shifts, changes, areas of growth that you experienced? Uh, yeah, of course. It was like really um, change-making um, experience for me. It's just like, um, just show me a lot. First of all, um, I learned what is the criteria of successful women which was like, I have confusion about it. So in, in, in my region, we thought um, that successful women um, should, you know, like if you want to be a woman or, you know, you have to select between family and between career. But during my participation in uh, International Women Forum, I found something different. I, I just realized that I don't I don't need to compromise. I can do both of them. This is number one. Uh, the second things it's about how women support each other, which is it was like fascinating for me. It's just like as I experience. Um, it's you know like I, it's the first time that I get introduced to I I worked I get introduced and worked with like a network of women they believe in sisterhood, which is it was like amazing. It's just like when we talk sisterhood, we are not talking just about professional life but also personal life. I saw great women who talk about how they support each other not just on the professional side, but on, um, on the personal side. And then while I was like studying and like taking my training in Harvard, um, one, uh, uh, one of the use cases say that when you are successful, when you be like a very, very successful, you might be lonely and you will find yourself by yourself, no one around you. And it was like, thinking about that. And I said, you know, like what IWF, what International Women Forum do, they, they support you to not, so when you reach for the, you know, like for, um, for the top, you will not be alone. You will have, you know, like support network that will help you and support you and they will be with you. And, and this is what, what I, I was like thinking about it. The, the fourth thing I would say, it's the experience to be in Harvard uh, Business School. And let me explain. I raised in refugee camp and I get to know, I get to study in UN schools. I don't know if you have, if you, if you are, if you understanding me when I said UN schools. UN schools, it means that we, in, in the refugee camp, we have like a very, very la large number of students in the same class. Sometimes it's 40. And we go, I remember that we went to like to, um, you know, like to get like even our food um, as a as just child from the school because, you know, like it's to have a, like a healthy meal at the end. And I was like always questioning myself, even when I reached for, um, when I become entrepreneur, I always questions, uh, I will always have a doubt about my ability, especially that I felt always that my, the quality of my education was like not that good. I always, I, I don't know, this is what, this was like my belief. 
So I felt that mm, I did not get like, I'm not like those people who studied in UK, for example, or studied in Harvard. This is the, the this, the, these kind of um, universities are for the very privileged people. But when I arrived like Harvard, I felt that, wow, I did it. I, I'm now with part of those, part of, of, of those people. I, I came here like, I'm confident my abilities. I, um, it's no matter where you lived, it's no matter where you studied. You, I proved it. I, I, made, I made it. And this is, I'm now in Harvard, one of the most prestigious university in the world. So I just made a proof that for everyone, so no matter where you left, no matter where uh, you raised, you can made it. It's, it's if, if, if you if you if you did it in the right way if you studied if, if the hard work the persistence um, the you know the education is the key for for bright future. Yes, you have more than made it, and for sure, when you talk to folks, absolutely fabulous academics are one thing, and we um, we respect that. But what's within? And what moves someone and drives someone is um, is sometimes not teachable, and it um, is what you exude for the world, Abir. It's very compelling, and it is why um, at times when I'm a little bit disappointed about the world, I think about people like you who are really taking us to a place that we really need to be, and with such courage and what uh, such boldness, I'm. Um, I'm frankly just totally in awe of you. We could go on and on. I'd like to just take it back to a little bit of reflection. And you're, you know, frankly, in the midst of your journey, my friend. So um, when you think to date, do you have a particular regret or I call it a do-over, assuming you're still where you are right now? Uh, regret? No. I don't have regret. Um, I believe that I'm I'm here. I, I made a lot of mistake, by the way. It's just like regretting. It's something that, you know, like it's uh, just to clarify that I don't see regretting. It's like um, like I never make mistake. For example, I, I made a lot of mistake, but I own this mistake, and I'm proud of these mistakes because it shaped who I am now. And I don't have regretting uh, because it's that's my situation, that's my reality. But if I don't have these kind, of, if I don't go through all of these journey, I will not be who I am today. Sure, you know, I I'd love to hear maybe a, a mistake or two just to get a sense of. <laughs> of course, I did a lot of mistakes. Of course. Um, one of the main mistakes that I get, I, I had it. It's um, when I uh, when I built my company for the first time. Uh, I'd have um, experience in uh, you know like in business. So when we uh, work with uh, when I have a partners with me, I just like we did not sit and say what is the expectation from each other. You know like we just like distribute the shares, how much you want. You want these chairs? Okay, this is for you. This is for me, and that's how it's work. And I ended with uh, with a very hard situation with my partners, and I um, dissolved my company despite um, the my first company despite the despite it was like very successful. Uh, but I have I had to do that because it was like it was like not working, and I was like just. Uh, busy with the conflict that we had together. Um, and because we did not set, set up the expectation right, we did not um, speak about uh, what the kind of effort that we have to, um, to put inside it. Maybe I was like also um, uh, selecting my partner um, more emotionally, based on emotion, more not, um, you know, like, a, something like more um, practical things or not based on a criteria and not based on the values that they will bring in. 
So it was like a tough situation, but I learned a lot from it. And I'm grateful that I have this mistake because now I know what's, what the partner should look like. It's such a healthy way to think about our, our mistakes that are really our learning moments. So take us to MENA Alliances. And for listeners, how can we be supportive? How can we learn more? Um, I'd love to energize even more global support for what you're doing. Yeah, it's okay. So let me tell you like what this whole MENA Alliance is about. So MENA Alliances try to, um, to solve two main problems in the world. The first one that, as you know, in the Western world, there's a shortage of talents. And this is like, um, has a bad, you know, like, bad, you know, like uh, implication on the businesses, especially the innovative businesses, um, because of, of, of this problem. On the other side, in the, in the MENA region, there is like uh, huge um, talents, but they lack the opportunities. Um, now, I was like thinking that I can solve the both problem by bridging this kind of gap. And at Mean Alliances, we are working toward uh, a world in which everyone with the drive, dedication, and skills has the opportunity to drive, to thrive. When everyone has the chance to reach their full potential, business is better place even, and we make more profound impact. So. Uh, what I'm trying to do through MENA Alliances, it's, it's to connect uh, global businesses and startups with top talented professionals like programmers, uh, developers, um, uh, designers, um, with, remotely with, with, uh, with the companies. So the, 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 the talent will work from their homes or from their places, from their countries, and they will work directly with the companies and with the startups. And in this way, we serve the both of them. And we offer through MENA Alliances a flexible service delivery model. So it's, it's like a project-based or staff augmentation and also um, traditional recruitment uh, model. And that's what we offer. And since MENA Alliances is a social um, impact tech company, uh, part of our activities also um, goes for training. You know, like we train people on different uh, skills like software development and uh, especially in the marginalized area or in conflict area like Gaza, like uh, Hebron, or sometimes in the refugee camp in Jordan. Um, and this is, we take part of our revenue to do that. And I believe that what we wanted from uh, from the world is is to give the opportunity to give work opportunity for those um, talented women and young people because you know if you don't try you will not know how they are like amazing and I was like last week I was like in a meeting with a German uh, investor and businessman and businessman. And he said very, uh, and, and he, by the way, he, he um, hired team consists of 30 developer from Syria, who's working now from Syria with him on his project for German companies. And he said for me, very like powerful statement. And he said, Abir, I have the power to empower others. And I want to, from, from all people who have the power and the privilege to empower other people who need this kind of opportunity. Uh, so what can people do? MinaAlliances.com is the website. Um, is there yeah. any particular ask or focus that we can share with listeners? Because I know I want to, I want to help yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, there is like the, if if they want to hire um for you know if they want to hire developers or for example designers or engineer data system engineer they can just click on hire today, and our team will take their you know like take their request and contact them and send them like list of very like. Um, dedicated and skillful talents to work with them. 
Um, so they can go for our website, click on hire today, and they set, put like their uh, request and we will help them uh, uh, we will help them to find the right talent for them. Yes, and I encourage, we, yes, yes, yes. I encourage I, everyone to use your power and privilege to help other people empower themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a triple win. It's a win-to-win situation. I, I said triple win because win for the talent, win for the client, and also win for the community. Yes, win, win, win. I love it. Okay, Abir, one last question. What was it like for you to share your journey with us today? <clears throat> it's part of my message. It's part of um, it's part of my message in this life. Um, maybe someone will will hear our story, or hear my story, and and um, from talents and think that you know what I I, I can made it. Or for example, one client or one like business uh, people who hear my. Um, my story and say, okay, now we want, we have the power, so we want to empower others. So it could be like both of them. So I hopefully I, I deliver the message in the right way. And if they want to um, talk to me, they can even reach out to me through the, the website or through my LinkedIn uh, um, on Abir Abu Gaith and speak with me directly. And I'm happy to um, to go with them. You are a fighter, Abir. You also are a cultural ambassador, um, changing mindsets, bridging cultural gaps. You're helping us all be more open. I love how you're imploring us to not judge, to accept each other as human beings and uh, helping people empower themselves. You, my friend, are just a wow. You're part of the solution. You're helping all of us to be safe, seen, and heard in our true and very, very best selves. Uh, you take good care. Anything I can do to help you, I am here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here with this um, uh, wonderful program, Say It Scalefully. Um, and thank you so much for your support. Yeah, we will be in touch, my friend. Okay, okay folks, uh, you take good care of here. Uh, my thought for the week from a beer, of course, when you believe in what you're doing, the challenges and others not believing in you doesn't matter. Um, and I would like to also thank the incredible crew at Voice America for making this possible and the stellar Eric Patton who makes Skate Skillfully hum uh, behind the scenes. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify a beer's voice. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real-time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. 
kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 